Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Well, welcome back, Greg. We're back in the podcast booth, the Boiling Point podcast booth. And um, we, we remember a past guest said, you know, we should bring up something personal uh, to kick everything off. So I'm going to throw it to you to throw up, you know, just to share some personal anecdote. Um, well, I don't know if it's a personal anecdote, but this morning I woke up at five o'clock and got in the car and drove two hours to do a keynote at a breakfast. Yes. And I drove back here to make it on time for the boiling point. But in that moment of driving, you have this peace and this solace, this time to think about all the problems in the world that we need to solve. You know, seriously, like driving is such, you know, uh, I, it, let's not talk about the carbon footprint or impacts there, but let's talk but you, about- you, But you drive a very eco-friendly car. I do have a, a nice hybrid, it's quiet. Yeah, and so it, you have it's to worry lovely. about that. But it, it, it's, it's really neat because I really had a, a chance to talk uh, to a group of entrepreneurs this morning about uh, our journey into being a B Corp and also- the, the definition of impact, because we use that word so much in business. Uh, mm. What type of impact are we making? Mm-hmm. And I was like, we can't just you throw that word around. We're talking about impact can be negative impact, neutral impact, positive impact, it can be social impact, yeah. it can be environmental impact, spiritual impact. Um, and as I was thinking about this, I was getting excited for our podcast today because we do have such um, rich uh, social and environmental impact businesses on the boiling point these days. Yes. And today is no exception. And we are going all the way to the opposite side of North America, down to Southern California, bringing in our new friend, Andrew Park from Urbane Gallant Clothing. Andrew, welcome to the boiling point and really excited to hear what, uh, what you're doing in this, in this amazing space. Absolutely. And thank you guys for having me on the show. Yeah. I'm excited as well. Well, and what do you think of that segue right into the the introduction that just Greg just did? I mean, that was pretty. That was solid. Like, and and, 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 and this is how unpro we are. Andrew. Like that, like I mean, that, like we we analyze our podcast that, in it. We're very meta. It was beautiful. It I just I didn't know it was going to happen like that. So I'm just I'm in awe. But anyway, Andrew, welcome, welcome. And uh, how what is what is uh, what's the weather? We always got asked about the weather because we're on the East Coast. What's the weather like in California right now? You know, it's it's actually cold for Southern California. Uh, I mean, we're looking at maybe 50 degrees Fahrenheit, um, which uh, is not normal. Um, so it's been really cold for us. And it's been raining, which is good because we need it. Uh, we've had That's right. droughts, yeah. so we need lots of water. So, um, But right now, it's the skies, it's sunny. All right, um, but it is it is cold, so well, I like that. And cold's all relative, so we won't, we won't even go where. We're. <laughs> exactly. So, so we're reading your bio. We're we're looking looking a little bit at, at what your the inspiration for Urbane Glant was, and I'd love to love for you to maybe start off by just giving us a sense of you know what what uh, what kicked this off, and then and then we'll we'll dive into some other questions like how you actually know Greg and and all this great stuff. <laughs> yeah. But why don't we start there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean. The, you know, the story of how Urban and Gallant kind of got started, I'd say it's got maybe three different starting points, and they all kind of convened into one. Um, but the first one um, has to do with my own kind of curiosity about what masculinity is. So when I entered the University of Southern California as a freshman, that's kind of the big question that I asked. I mean, coming from a relatively small public high school, 
Um, and then to enter this big university where there are just so many people. Um, and, and as a guy, you know, you come in and you go, oh, okay, how do I stack up against the other guys? Um, and you kind of just kind of wonder, you know, what, what is, you know, what does it take to get to the top, I guess? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very broad question, but I kind of wanted to dive deeper, you know, because, you know, when you're in school, it, it's, you know, are you the frat guy? You know, is that considered masculine? Is that considered what is, you know, alpha or whatever? Um, or is it being ultra successful academically or in your career? And, you know, to be honest, those kind of two options didn't seem at least the most fulfilling to me. Um, it didn't feel like that is the end all end goal. Um, and so I explored it and kind of went through my own kind of, I guess, spiritual journey um, and you know, philosophical journey, I guess, um, and kind of and ended on one simple concept, which is responsibility. And I think that's important for men to understand. And I think once men, and this was kind of my own journey, like once I started understanding responsibility, it kind of started to um, build my foundation for my growth. And so that's when I went, okay, this is cool. Like, I think this really helped anchor me, helped anchor my identity as a man and my worth as a man. Um, and gave me a sense of mission and something to work on and um, really helped me begin to uh, move with purpose. So that's just a quick snippet into the one side. The other side <clears throat> had to deal with just um, me entering the business school, uh, me, you know, having a, an interest in business and um, most importantly, wanting to do good through business. And so I, I kind of got uh, introduced to the social enterprise community um, here um, in Los Angeles and uh, that's when I, I went, oh, okay, so there's an opportunity to leverage enterprise to solve environmental and social problems. And so I went, okay, what, what can we do uh, with fashion? Because um, as a business student, you know, you want to wear suits um, that are sharp, um, that you're going to present in and network in. And so I got an interest in, in, in that part of um, where, and that's when things started to come full circle. And I the issue of human trafficking, and I realized my goodness, um, the root cause of this problem has a lot to do with men. Um, you know, men who are purchasing um, sex at ever decreasing cost, which forces you know a lot of pressure um, on you know supply chain, which includes traffickers and pimps, uh, brothels, whatever, to uh, use slaves to to be able to profit. And so I went, okay, well let's let's tackle this industry with a business lens and get rid of the demand. And once you cut off the money supply. And who knows? We could see some sweeping changes upstream. And this this is amazing. And uh, you know, when we're talking about starting businesses with uh, an eye to make profit, or uh, starting a business to make profit and tackle a very significant issue, that's the stuff that makes me so excited. And and hearing that story, especially in the clothing industry, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And and I, f- I find you guys mm-hmm. are a great case study uh, for a model company in this space. And it's, also interesting because I don't know how long ago it was, maybe six months ago, we had another guest on here named Paul Simmons. And Paul has a, an amazing men's clothing store called Robert Simmons. And it's it's all, it's like customer service is crazy. And by the way, Dave, I did go uh, a few weeks ago and you were right. As soon as you walk in, they give you a glass of scotch. Come on. Amazing. So <laughs> awesome. I, I went in and their, their, their service is so good. Um, and mm-hmm. the scotch, etc. They don't even encourage you to look at prices. Okay, so they they mm-hmm. immediately suit you up, and you look great, you feel great, and there's no way you're not going to mm-hmm. buy the, these clothes, you know. And by the way, they're mm-hmm. all Canadian made, at least the ones I had anyway. I know that Paul is, <laughs> is sourcing clothes from from ethical sources, etc. Um, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then I get to the cash register and I, I'm like, wow, I haven't paid that much money for clothes in a long time. <laughs> Amazing. I feel great in them. But then I was thinking, uh-huh. I was thinking as I do, um, I was like, this is the price point we should be spending money on clothes, spending for on clothes. Mm-hmm. Because we all have mm-hmm. so many clothes that we bought for dirt cheap. Um, that mm-hmm. we don't even value the uh, the fact that clothes actually take time and effort and money, and mm-hmm. oftentimes uh, it's incredibly poor uh, labor conditions that this stuff is made mm-hmm. in just to serve our cheap uh, buying decisions. You know, so I felt really right. good about spending the money on at that store, mm-hmm. who was actually supporting yeah. a Canadian company that we know has uh, far more than uh, living wages, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, I just wanted mm-hmm. to share that story. Very yeah. topical. And uh, so why don't you talk a little bit more on that too, is the the value point, the price point of ethical clothing mm-hmm. and can it compete with, you know, no disrespect, with the Joe Freshes as an example, which is just at the grocery store. Bam, you grab your piece of clothing and you go. You think nothing of it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it will. Um, because the reality is well, we're seeing a shift in um, consumers um, looking for clothing that is ethically made. And, and I think, you know, thanks to the movement of people like Tom's um, that kind of kick-started and kind of taught the market, um, you know, you're going to have to pay a little more. Um, and, and that's, I think, what people are slowly going to accept over time. Um, and at the moment, they'll still go for cheap clothing, but the reality is, as at the same time, the second facet to support a higher price point, most importantly, is the branding. Um, and I think if you kind of go into the marketing space, branding space, the conversations that they're having is, how do you build you know, brand fans? And I think that's important. Um, once people connect with the brand, and, and most importantly for us, you know, we're, we're a lifestyle brand, um, and they begin to associate themselves with your brand, the price tends to fade. Um, and especially, if you, like you said about Robert Simmons, you know, uh, with great customer service um, and great quality product, you know the price. People end up going, okay, it's worth it. You know, it's worth paying paying this much. And as a result, if people compete with price, I mean, most people won't leave because it's like, well, you know, I could get you know a suit at Urban and Gallant, or I can get one for way cheaper in the fashion district in Los Angeles. But does the suit that I get over there, you know, I don't know where it's being made. Plus. You know, I just get thrown in and out. Oh, here, here's a suit. It's not, you can get three for $99 and please get out. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. what's the difference? And it, what's it like uh, as well? And, and I spend a fair bit of time in your area. Uh, I, Mm-hmm. I, I hang my uh, my jacket uh, oftentimes down in uh, in Venice Beach. Um, mm-hmm. L.A. has a collection of some of the most amazing, forward thinking, innovative people, but also an incredible mm-hmm. population of plastic surface. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but uh, superficial uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're yeah. working in a really interesting market here, and how are people yeah. like? Uh, you know, are, are you finding it a fantastic market for your company in the fact that, hey, now it's becoming fashionable to actually be supporting ethical? Uh, or is it more, is it the opposite where people are just more mm-hmm. more focused on the exterior? Now, uh, trust me, I yeah. really know the brilliance of, of all my friends, family in LA, you know, so it's not, uh, uh-huh. there's just an outsider's perspective of uh, the, the center of yeah. entertainment universe, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a very good question. And I, I, as of now, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, it's not exploding or being a glut. Um, and I think 
that's because people still aren't, um, I guess, aware of the value of social enterprises, um, especially when they're coupled with, you know, a good brand and good vision um, and a clear impact mission. Um, and I've noticed that, especially in Los Angeles, um, most, the majority of people, they get excited once it's kind of, once a company has hit kind of a big um, brand name platform. So if they get released on some kind of TV show or television channel, uh, big radio station or magazine, then they go, oh, this is cool. So now I'm going to jump on board. But until then, um, you're, you're relatively quiet. So um, I, I find it that that's part of the cool challenge for me is, okay, how do we build something that isn't necessarily popular? And that's how all startups evolve, right? It's, hey, you know, you're quiet. And then at some point, as you keep checking along, um, stay passionate, um, stay true to yourself eventually you begin to gain this momentum that begins to change the culture around you. You know, it takes, as they say in the book, good to great 10 years to be an overnight success, right? Um, Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, yeah, amen to that because uh, I'm sure I'm I'm waiting to become the overnight success myself. Um, But, you know, I... Uh, so here's an interest, like, and, and another piece of of what we we've done you know, in terms of our our uh, pre-reading um, about Urbane mm-hmm. Gland is, uh, and I find it really interesting, and, and I'm, I'm going to go back to kind of the Robert Simmons uh, example because this is a place where we we shop and you, you know, and it's at the price tag and all that kind of stuff, but you feel good wearing it. But there's this other connection that you're, you're describing about having people feel uh, men feel secure in their masculinity, and it's yes. interesting when you buy something, you feel good, it feels good, um, how. Mm-hmm. Slowly, you can kind of evolve from something maybe more conservative to wearing, um, like there's these leather kind of sneakers type of shoe that I bought, and I thought, geez, I'd never wear these in a million years, and I find to wear them all the time, you know. And there's this, so you, you know, mm-hmm. you start to kind of redefine what you know your your maybe your brand, personal brand, is, and how you look and how masculinity kind of fits into that. But so, what what are you experiencing mm-hmm. in that sp- that whole space in terms of, um, you know, how how this whole concept of masculinity and how people are you know feeling secure and being able to wear you know whatever and sometimes you know that you know that the confidence in wearing something that might be a little outside your comfort zone can actually really help mm-hmm. build the confidence in who you are and what you're about yeah yeah um i mean the response so far from men has been wow like this is interesting unique um and i think more than anything it's, it's refreshing um <clears throat> so one of the things that i did kind of as this you know, concept was forming was, you know, what are most menswear companies telling men? Um, and not, or not just menswear, just companies in general. And, right. and I realized that companies are messaging to men, assuming that uh, they care about only three things, which is beer, sex, and sports. And once, you know, you, you go with that mindset and you speak to men as if they only care about those three things. And guess what? Men, men will behave the way they have been. And, um, just generally. And, and that means if you, you know, treat men like they're animals, they're going to behave like animals. And so I think one of the things we took a lot of intentionality doing was how do we speak to men that inspires them? Mm. Um, and it's like, man, you know, you are capable of so much more than just chugging a keg of beer or <laughs> hey, chasing, chasing a thousand girls, you know? And, and, you know, it's just like, look, man, like we were created to strive for something great, something big that requires us to join a team of other men and to sacrifice for one another to, you know, to essentially, you know, as a cliche as it sounds, you know, save the world. And I, and that's the kind of mission that I want to present to men. It's like, man, 
human trafficking is such a big issue and it's hard and to, to fix. And we need to be able to coordinate with so many other people. But one of the most immobilized groups so far are men, just normal men who work, men who are educated and care about things, but they're just not being um, mobilized to, to, to join the fight. And that's what we want to do. And once you speak to men like that, hey, here, hey man, here's the mission. Yeah. Let's go and get it together. And guess what? You get to get to wear a suit doing it. It's like, nice. it, it's so, really inspiring. Can you give it like uh, that? Now this is really interesting. Can you give me an example of like some, you know, a campaign you run or, a, or some messaging or, you know, some so, to, to help communicate this? Uh, well, so far we, we've got our pocket squares. Um, and, and, and what we want to do with all our products is to put a story of an inspirational man behind every product. Oh, interesting. So, so far, right now, we've got the Wilberforce Pocket Squares, and the first production run you know, employed 20 survivors. We were able to give them nine hours of personal education each, which you know, amounts to empowerment. And the reason why I named it the Wilberforce was that this was the first biography that I read after college, um, after William Wilberforce. Are you guys familiar with this story? No, if, if you can bring us okay. yeah. Thanks. Yeah, so William Wilberforce was um, an Englishman that um, was around, I want to say, in the late 18th century. Um, I mean, a massively brilliant, wealthy guy uh, came out of Cambridge at like 21 and then became, you know, the prime minister's right hand man, I think close to 24, 25, or 26. Um, so very influential. Um, but this was during the time where the Atlantic slave trade was considered morally correct. Um, it was economical, um, and everyone in the world at the time believed that, yes, um, people from Africa are considered subhuman, and it's totally fine. <clears throat> um, but Wilberforce kind of went through his own spiritual journey and kind of got a you know, lens shift, and he realized, wait, you know, why is one people group considered subhuman and another isn't? Like, this, is, this is incredibly wrong, you know? There's, there's no way that this, this makes any sense. Um, and that's when he began his campaign to end the Atlantic slave trade. Um, it took 20 years, um, but he spent all his wealth, all of his influence, um, as much as he could with all his strength to, to end the slave trade. And, I mean, amazing story. I mean, 20 wow. years later, the, Atlantic, the Slave Trade Act was passed, um, and the slave trade ended. Um, and so I was so fascinated by that story because you're talking about a place in time in history where, pe- where kids were taught in schools, slavery is correct. And then from that moment onward, um, now what's taught in every public school or any school, slavery is wrong. I mean, to go have a complete 180 shift in culture shows me that we can do the same today to not only end the issue of modern-day slavery, but to also change the culture of masculinity. The beautiful part of the story is that Wilberforce, though he was the face and maybe the name, because as a politician, you needed that for movement, you also read in the story how much he needed to coordinate with so many different people from so many different backgrounds. So he had doctors that he worked with, um, you know, people in the Navy who, um, you know, saw slave trade ships, um, ex-slaves, ex-slave owners, worked with artists, worked with poets, writers. And um, I don't know if you remember, um, there's a, an image um, that was that existed during that time that essentially went viral, which was um, you saw an African. African man in, in handcuffs, and it says, am I not also a brother? Right. And that was probably the first kind of like PR campaign for uh, a social omission that included so many different people. And so I was so fascinated by that because with social enterprise today, we need to all connect with each other and coordinate. And 
work together to change culture and solve some of these social problems. And Wilberforce was a perfect example of social enterprise at work and um, the ability to actually solve something and, and make sweeping changes. So I took that story, put it on the pocket squares so that men, as they wear it, they go, holy moly, hmm. I can do this too. Mm-hmm. I can do this too. And so to lead into the next thing, so we'll be launching our own made-to-measure suits um, in the next couple months. And we've named each design that we've created um, after an inspirational man in history. And so that's the idea. We want to show men. Um, there's no better way to inspire men than to point to an actual man who existed. Because the reality is, we didn't, you know, we don't talk about this urban and gallant lifestyle um, for no reason. We, you know, there are men who have actually done this, and we want to tell their stories. And, and, you know, and I'm just imagining the impact of, of kind of almost, you know, there's a story and, and there's a story behind every suit and, and, you mm-hmm. know, and how that, that changes the conversation of just something you're wearing and, you know, it, it's, mm-hmm. and, and you see, so you're, you're seeing, like, I mean, what are you hearing from, from people that are your customers? Like what, what's, what's happening for people? Yeah. So if, if it's a male customer, they're just, they're like, man, like one, they, they comment on the fact that we have ambition that's different and it's kind of a very ambitious goal um but they also comment on kind of our design so you know we we've always wanted to have a clean and simple look uh, because we believe you know men that kind of are comfortable in, in their skin and confident in who they are they don't need to be flashy with um, how they present themselves they don't need to go hey look at me look at me they just they dress um as they do and and you know they let their confidence kind of carry their presence and so they, a lot of people have been commenting on that. It's like, okay, these podcast guys are very clean and simple. And if once you kind of see photos of our designs for our suits, you realize they are very clean and simple. Our website is very clean and simple. Yeah. We're um, actually, we're, we're looking at it as we're talking, by the way. And, and uh, oh, yeah. people should check that out. How, how can they check it out? What's your URL? Yeah, it's just uh, www.urbanegallant.com. So urban with an E and then gallant with two L's.com. So there's no ampersand or and in between. It's just urbanegallant.com. Yeah, and so um, that's what uh, the men have been saying. And, you know, they're, they're, we're, we're tweaking our, our wording just to make sure that, you know, men completely understand what we're, what we're talking about. Um, but it seems like overall men have been able to get that sense. Um, on this website, the women, I mean, they are the most supportive, I think, uh, over anything. Uh, they just go, wow, like, this is the kind of men that we that we like so men right you know like well and, you know and then they'll and they'll buy stuff and then they'll gift it ex- boyfriend or father and yeah and, whatnot, so. and i'm just thinking to myself like and, I, and I'm, I'm looking at greg here like i mean and i don't know what it is like for you greg but it is amazing um how much my wife influences what i wear oh my gosh, i mean yeah, and, like, and i i have watched you're in, looking great right now man. well thank you yeah and, and i well i'm actually wearing some robert simmons stuff but you know but i have gotta i gotta buy online at urban Galant. um but you know it's like the my the you know and that's such an, an important point right is if they if you mm-hmm. get that demographic really bought in and believing this is cool um how that can, i mean we are so easily influenced in some respects i like to think we're more complex yeah. beings than that but i mean my classic story is i come back and i and i'm literally i've, I've been i've traveled across uh, the continent and i've been wearing what mm-hmm. i thought was very cool looking shoes and uh, and pants and a shirt you know and i mm-hmm. and i walk in and suddenly i'm aware of how 
wrong the color scheme was like in in a matter of seconds when my wife you did not wear that across the country well, there's, there's, there's certain things we have to work on dave yeah you know what i mean and it's like, so but that's great that that messaging gets through um in in and we okay. only have half an hour for these but the, the other and greg has been uh, done a fabulous job of uh with me of, of just this podcast really, has got nothing to do with me dave of, of helping me under, he thinks i'm going to throw him <laughs> under the bus andrew but i'm not um is is he's been you know about the whole movement around certified b corporations and and i understand yeah. you guys are there and just maybe can maybe in in, yeah. in closing you can give us a little bit see greg it was nice right oh, I, god he, bless you yeah um uh, just just what that's <laughs> done for your company and you know just a little bit about that movement from your perspective because i've heard a lot about it from greg's perspective yeah yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of my mentors early on, one that this concept was for me, she told me, you know, in order to make what your vision is, I guess, successful or to accomplish what you want to do, you've got to be excellent. And I want to say three areas. Uh, the first one is obviously the fashion. You need to have great design, great fashion, you know, things that creatives will appreciate. And then two, you know, have good margins as a business, like be a good business um, and be able to profit so that you can reinvest it and steward it. And then thirdly, it's actually have legitimate impact um, because without kind of that trifecta, if one piece is missing, everything falls apart. And so what the B Corp certification has done for us, it, it's given us credibility and legitimacy um, because one of the things that I was very well aware of early on was, okay, I want to make sure that uh, we are legit. Uh, with our impact. And I mean, it took a long time to help to, to build our supply chains. Um, and we spent that time doing it so that um, when we do go out um, to the public and we go to market, people will go, okay, like there's so much intentionality behind everything that they've done. And that B Corp certification communicates that very quickly. Okay. They've been audited. They've gone through a rigorous assessment test. They need to score at least an 80 and we scored a 112. So we went even above and beyond, you know, the minimum requirement. And so that just shows people like, okay, we're dealing with a company that is one passionate, but they strive for excellence. And I think that's important because one of the, my frustrations that I had kind of jumping into the social enterprise space was that some of these fashion companies that I saw, you know, they were, the fashion was kind of rather basic, uh, kind of started with silk screen tees and all that. Uh, no offense to anyone doing that, but it's just, you know, oh, hey, we kind of just slapped this on, and hey, we're just going to do this here. Oh, we're social enterprise, you know? It's just kind of like, eh, you know, it's just let's go the extra mile, you know, let's and let's do a good job with everything and wrap together and create uh, a beautiful company that, that's going to really, really make a difference in this world. And so I'm hugely thankful for the, the B Corp movement because um, it's, it's provided us that ability to communicate our legitimacy. Oh man, well, I, I think that's a perfect way uh, to end for now, Andrew. I'm really excited to to meet you in person sometime, and uh, I'm I'm hoping to yeah, come absolutely. back down to LA probably in April or maybe May. Actually, in June, I'm definitely going to be there. But hey, it'd be nice if we could uh, uh, hook up. I'd I'd love to come. Like, do do you have storefront as well, or is it uh, is it all online? Uh, at the at, at the moment, we don't. It's just online. Cool, cool. Well, it, it, it'd be, it's always good to meet other uh, other fellow uh, B Corp. Uh, uh, champions. So this is great, man. Thanks so much for your time. And uh, we're going to be following everything that you're doing and we're going to promote uh, as much as we possibly can. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to get a pocket myself. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Com yeah. coming soon. Very, very reasonably priced, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So everybody check it out. Um, 
UrbaneGalant.com. I hope I said that right. I know you mentioned it a second ago. Yep. And uh, and thank you so much again, uh, my friend. And uh, anytime you want to come to St. John, New Brunswick in the middle of the winter, you got a nice, uh, nice warm place to come <laughs> hang out. <laughs> Absolutely. It's my pleasure, guys. Thanks, Thanks Andrew. So Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, man, what a, he's got a serious mission, eh? Uh, I, w- I would love to have dived into more around, you know, where that comes from and, you know what I mean, but this passionate about about this whole, you know, uh, human trafficking. Yeah, well, it's, and, it's and, interesting. And using, using, like, I mean, it's just so, I mean, it's, it's I, no, this is where we, I didn't do enough research because I wasn't, I wasn't making the connection until we, we started looking at the website, but then you go, my God, good for him. And I don't know about you, but I, I want, I've, I want to support that. You know what I mean? Like I now, I, now I feel kind of more interested. No, 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 Rob. You know, like Robert Simmons, you're still your favorite shop and all that. But I mean, we we can spread the business a little bit, right? But I mean, it's very cool that it was. You know, it's really founded. He's found it. He's got a. He's got a clear passion. I mean, this guy is passionate about what he does. Oh yeah, and, and very very on target, on focus. Um, it's really we're running out of time here. But uh, the other day, I was just doing a little bit of watching on Vice.com, and I saw. This brutal documentary called Slaves of Dubai. So it's just going on device and you can you can watch it. Because we see Dubai as this incredible place of innovation, you know, modern buildings and, you know, a center point for business. And in fact, they're now putting a ton of money into R&D and clean tech and sustainability, etc. But this story goes behind who are the people who are literally... Uh, enslaved to build these uh you know to be construction teams and all you know and it's it's a very sad story to check it out so modern day slavery is still very very uh, pr- uh prevalent in in the world and um i think it's phenomenal that his his company is is, is striving to, to, is to, to soften that, that. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 very cool well I, I, this is great um every, every single guest i get more excited about uh uh about what we're doing here dave it's good all right. Well done. And we uh, we should also, you know, speak because we spoke of Robert Simmons as well. We should probably direct people there into their last uh, magazine issue, which has a beautiful front cover. It's gorgeous. Um, one guy in particular of the models in the front is wearing a beautiful ascot. And right? the other guy has and- half a head that's cut off. <laughs> right. Anyway, for another time, I think we're, <laughs> we got to go. God bless you, Dave. All right. Love you, man. See you. Buddy. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.